if I do this trip justice, um, you'll see what a blessing it was to be a part of it. And then in the middle of this trip, God kind of opened up what may be next. And it kind of took my breath away. <clears throat> so, thank you. Um, <clears throat> I also want to give you thanks for the prayers. You guys probably heard snapshots during the trip. The three women on Mike's team got sick. Um, two men of our four-man team got malaria at different times. Um, so I'm basically getting bitten by mosquitoes that just bit on them. Um, so, and our driver had a fever um, as we're finishing a long day of driving and before we have to go back um, to do a drive from our hotel to the refugee camp because they didn't have any hotels near the camp. And so our team did a lot of work to you know, get him drugs and stuff, including some of mine, to be able to break the fever just so he could drive us to our next camp. So um, it was obvious to me by virtue of what we were doing that your daily prayers for me was sustaining me. We had a, um, a crazy schedule, um, my fault completely, because what we decided was um, you guys have experienced what's going on here in inflation. Inflation over there is... Um, devastating may not be that um, much of an exaggeration. They're currently having, while we were there, they were having protests in Kenya because people couldn't afford to get food. You know, their food was doubling in price. So we had to manage this and getting the food for the camps as the food just kept getting more and more expensive as we did it. So um, the trip was managing uh, resources like this and we had to make tough decisions as we went. Um, so to, to kind of do this story, I want to start with uh, three stories, and then they're based around this passage. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And it's the story of my life and getting to this place, because um, God had given me this call for discipleship, and specifically counseling, which is essentially crisis discipleship. I mean, counseling is another word for discipleship. And he gave me this over 30 years ago. And he's had this in me to, um, to train, not only just to counsel one-on-one, but to train others to do the same. <clears throat> and you guys probably recall back to the trips to India that uh, I participated twice with Pastor Tim. My heart was is that we'd be able to do this system-wide training for all the orphans in the orphanage. And it never really clicked. You know, each time I was given another task, but it wasn't quite what I was looking for. I was looking for something that would last after I returned. So that didn't quite connect. And then 2015 was the first year that I joined Pastor Tim in going to Africa. Um, and then, then things started to click. Finally, in 2019 is when we finally started going down this road of training uh, people. So, and that was, and I'll even give one more story on this. It's a little insight behind the scenes. Karen and I decided that we wanted to pursue full-time ministry some few years ago. And so I was thinking, you know, I could do some kind of counseling pastor, discipling pastor position. So I've, you know, maybe throw a broader net, you know, that would allow me to do this. And Pastor Tim gave me this counsel. 
He said, I would encourage you not to do what most every other pastor does, which is to do what's called candidating. In other words, you look for positions that match what your call is, and then you, you go preach in front of that group or you teach in front of that group for that position. And he said, um, wait to see what the Lord brings to you. And uh, which, in hindsight, was the best of counsel. The difficulty was this was not going to provide us with a pastor's salary. So the past few years, I've had this call, but not the salary that our, our family could use while we pursued this call. And then, of course, you've seen what's happened with API, and if, if I do this justice, you'll see what happens in this trip. I could not have um, chosen uh, a specific task for me to do that would be better than what the Lord has provided through API. Um, and that was listening to the council. The other side benefit of this was is I obviously had to operate in faith. I was not going to have it the easy way. It was going to come the hard way. So this was, you know, I had planned in my heart what I wanted to do, full-time ministry, participating in counseling and discipleship. But the Lord had a very different path for me than I did in my own wisdom. So that's story number one. I'll give you three stories. Story number two is how this ministry started in Uganda. So I think it was two years ago, um, Ruben, uh, and I'll use Ruben and Lavanga interchangeably. So Lavanga is the name he prefers that I call him, but he's, he's known by most in the ministry as Ruben. Um, Ruben and Moses went to Uganda for the first time. And Mike and I had worked out finances for him to be able to do this. And the trip was a complete failure. They linked up with men um, who had a different agenda. And this is common. It's one of the things that we have to discern in dealing with the pastors that we deal with there. Uh, They can have their own agenda. And they ran into this. And so the trip came back, and it, it was a complete failure. They went nowhere. They were just linked up with the wrong men. We had to start from ground zero all again. And so then a year ago was the trip that some of you had heard about, which is they went again, they linked up with some different people, and it was the trip where they stopped teaching at 5 o'clock and the pastor said, please continue, like teach into the night. And so they had, and this was in the refugee camps, and this was kind of the beginning of us really focusing on the refugee camps. Um, And in the last story, you'll see how God even further clarified this, that this is exactly where you need to be focusing. Um, But on that trip, uh, Lavanga's laptop and his uh, phone were stolen um, when they're stopping for supplies on the way. And he called me, and he wanted to come back. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, his laptop with his notes, everything was all based in that, and it was stolen. And I encouraged him, I said, the significance of this trial is going to indicate probably the significance of the work that lies ahead of you. And then it ended with what I had just described. The pastors in the camps were exceptionally blessed. Lavanga said it was the single time of ministry that stands out amongst anything else. <laughs> it's probably going to happen a lot. So, our third story. Our third story was the hardest day followed by the best day. So the hardest day 
was um, we finished in our second refugee camp, which is Nakabali. And uh, so they had, many of them had asked for uh, me to teach in the Sunday services. So I did three teachings. I did a teaching in the Bongas, uh, and then I did a teaching in two more of the refugee camps, Chiaka, the first one, and then Nakabali. The problem was is because for us trying to meet the resources, we didn't want to cut anything from the camps and the, and the trips that we did. So what I ended up doing was cutting three days out of the schedule. It's going to be three days less car expense, three days less um, driver expense, three days less hotel expense. So the three days I cut were all our rest days or uh, having a dedicated day of travel. Instead, what we ended up doing it was doing uh, a morning of teaching and then doing travel throughout the whole rest of the day. And unfortunately, uh, bumping up against one of Mike's rules, which is we don't travel at night. So because the schedule was so tight, we ended up you know, cutting into the evening sometimes before we got into our location. So we're, we're basically, every hour is spoken for. So. We got up in that morning. Lavanga was actually so tired, he stayed back that morning. And then we were going to pick him up as, as we left. So we went to the refugee camp in Nakabali. I was supposed to, uh, the service was support, uh, supposed to start at 10. I was supposed to teach around 11. So they said, um, and I'll, I might have some of the videos from it, but basically all the churches came in, and then all the churches did a special kind of song uh, because it was kind of a big thing um, that what we had done. So it turned into kind of a, um, you know, they're trying to bless us for the work that we've done. So anyway, the time of getting on and doing the teaching is moving further and further back. So we finally left there uh, probably closer to 1 o'clock. We went back and got Reuben. And the portion here on the Lord directing our steps is, we were supposed to do a conference, our last conference in Kampala, which is the capital of Uganda. So there's some refugees based in Kampala. So we were looking for pastors there that we could still do this ministry of, of, of um, trying to minister to the refugees. Uh, but we're having to finalize a lot of things as we go through the trip. So we're doing that. So we're in the middle of uh, this one uh, time in Nakavali. And uh, Lavanga is finalizing all the arrangements with uh, the pastor there. And the liaison, you know, we told them, this is our limited budget. We basically have $300 a day for food, which is about $3 per person if we're making arrangements for 100 people. So it was a very bare-bones budget. The guy said, no, we need more than that for uh, the pastors, and we need uh, travel expenses for the pastors to get to the conference, which is actually not uncommon um, to do these conferences. There's times where a lot of these expenses are paid for. And we said, we can't do that. This is, this is our budget. This is what we can provide. And that was the end of the conversation. They no longer called us back. So the Lord closed the door to Kampala. So we made a decision as a team, we're not going to Kampala. There's, we've got enough of an indication here that that's not what's supposed to happen. So now it's like, what do we do? So we ended up adding, um, there was a pastor that came from this third camp, uh, Ruam Wanja, to the uh, conference in Nakavali. He'd spent a day and traveled just to get there, uh, him and his wife. So he invited us to this third camp, Ruam Wanja, which is, you know, ended up being the capstone of our trip, and I'll tell you what happened there. 
So the, the hard day ends up being uh, you know, having half of our travel day taken up in the service. Uh, but it's something that you know they want us to participate in. We now, instead of having the shorter paved road back to Kampala, had decided to go back into the interior, back towards the Congolese border, uh, hitting dirt roads again, and of course going back into evening travel to be able to get there. Um, and then when we get there, uh, because we're winging it, we found the best facilities in the refugee camp at Ramwanja. Uh, but it turns out it's basically the nice party hotel for the area. So, complete with condoms on the windowsill, the whole nine yards. And they, um, they're playing music with like the thumping bass. So after a long drive, I get in, in the, the bed and the, the room is shaking from this bass. And I finally understood when they say they, do, they play uh, rock music to torture prisoners of war. I got like a taste of it because it's like, it's, like, it's like to the point of insanity. All I can think about is closing my eyes. And, then, and they told us this is going this way for another three hours. So I ended up just getting up, and the guys were eating. I couldn't eat that late. And I kind of made a rule of being careful of the local food so I wouldn't jeopardize my ability to teach. Uh, so I got up and basically slouched in a chair for a couple hours while the team ate until you know the music subsided and we went to bed. Um, so that's a little bit of what the experience was like. The other thing that I did not realize how tiring it was is once, I, once we left uh, Majango where um, Lavanga's church is and I went to do our first conference in Moses' home church in Matete, Kenya, uh, that's when the mosquitoes started. So, and for the whole rest of the trip, I'm being eaten by mosquitoes. Not, not drastic. I've probably shown you pictures before of where my foot's got like 10 bites on it. But it's like two to four bites flying around your ear the whole time. Um, and I didn't realize how taxing that was until we got back to Nairobi with an air-conditioned room with no mosquitoes in it. And it's just like I died and went to heaven. You know, it's like, oh, this is what it's nice to, to get a decent night's sleep. So I didn't realize how much my body was being taxed over this time frame. Um, so that, that's the snapshot of that. Um, so the, the next day in Ramwanja, uh, we have to do it on the outskirts because we did not get clearance from uh, the... I'll show you the approval letter. It actually has to come from the office of the prime minister to get into the camps. So we did not have that because this was a, a last-minute addition. So we did it right on the outskirts of the camp. There's a lot of logistics. People had to get clearances to get out of the camp. There's a, uh, it's a big deal for them to be able to do this. So we started a little bit late in it. Um, and then we did uh, some of the teachings. There's one teaching that I do on James chapter 1 on the purpose of trials that God has for us, that they refine us, that they make us perfect and complete. Um, and that message alone gave them so much hope because the prosperity gospel is pervasive. And even the refugees have this, if I just, you know, they, they actually talk about your lottery ticket is getting out of here and going to the United States. Otherwise, you're just going to suffer for the rest of your life. And, they, and, and the prosperity gospel just ends up taking the hope away. And they don't have their hope in the gospel. 
And, and then I brought up the life of Joseph, uh, how his brother sinned against him. Most of the people that are in the camp are there because someone sinned against them. So their family members had been killed from the factional fighting. I asked one of the Congolese guys, do you ever think you'll go back? He said, never. It's just, it's just destruction. It's just they're, they're trying to kill everybody. So they have resigned to this new reality that they'll probably be in a refugee camp for the rest of their life. Um, the other thing you'll see in the pictures is, uh, you know, I was thinking poor people, but they're actually people more like us. They had land holdings, they had wealth, and they left it all with the clothes on their back, took a, a, a one-week hike to the border uh, with the water and the clothes on their back, and then they get processed through a transit camp and then finally placed into a refugee camp. So um, all that to say, they're, they're in probably... Uh, if the world is looking at circumstances, one of the worst circumstances you can be in. And uh, the message is specifically this one message on God's purpose and trials and then how God used the sin of Joseph's brother in selling him into slavery uh, and being taken to another nation similar to what they were experiencing. And Joseph says the words, uh, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And so I just camped on that, that God's got a purpose for you here. I went to one of my favorite passages, which is Ephesians 2.10, which talks about the works that are prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. I said, me standing here is a work that God prepared beforehand. This is part of what God had purposed for me in my life. You have this same promise. There are works prepared beforehand for you while you are in this camp. There's some ministry that you have. There's some purpose that you have for being here at this purpose in time. And I wish I recorded the comments they said afterwards. So what I do after every... um, sessions uh, every day as we do a question and answer time on what I had talked about. And this time, there was not one question, even though we covered some of the um, theological issues that can be challenging. Um, But they just stood up one by one and said they gave thanks because they had hope that they never had had before. So, yeah. And, and how much it blessed me, and I hope it blesses you, because this was not an evolution in their understanding in their relationship. It literally was a transformation. I mean, I just heard time and time again, there was a blind man that stood, stood up and said, I did not come to the Lord until after I lost my sight. And I just heard testimony after testimony of what this James 1 passage had meant to them. So that was the best day that followed the worst day. You know, we had planned our steps. We had planned our way, which was to go to Kampala. The Lord closed that door. And then um, this is how it ended. And the whole team was hearing these testimonies. And I'm sure they were stirred the way I was. Because, you know, we we had similar things in the other camps. But this camp was, uh, uh, you know, especially noteworthy in... um, how much they appreciated it and were part of it. So that was just a testimony of even after we had planned our ways that the Lord had some special things in store. Um, So I hope you're blessed with that. So with that, let's go into some of the travel log and the pictures. And then at the end, I want to um, 
show you what I think the Lord is opening up for our next step. Um, and it's pretty exciting. So, so Nairobi. So uh, I do currently three Zoom calls a week. Uh, well, actually, it's now one Zoom call has dropped off, which is actually a neat benchmark. So the original team of Lavanga, Moses, Boniface, they've been participating in the, the teachings that I've been doing for two and a half years. And we finally finished uh, that before I did this trip. So that was a big uh, milestone for us. So Nairobi is one of the conference calls, uh, the Zoom calls that I do. We're two-thirds of the way through our training. And one of my goals was to encourage, uh, after you've heard these teachings, to actually dive in the deep end and start counseling, start discipling, start doing the work, and then we'll help you as you do it. So they are two-thirds of the way through it. We're going to start this coming week in our third and last module, which is a practicum, and it's about 25 uh, uh, lessons that we do on actual counseling cases. So it gets very nitty-gritty on how to execute. So uh, this was kind of last minute that the team threw together. So this is part of our current group. We probably have about 25 people. So we just did a meet and greet in Nairobi, talk about next steps, what we're going to be doing in our last module. And then Tendai, who leads this, he's actually the second guy in. Um, he says what they want to do now is establish a counseling center in Nairobi 24-7. He wants to digitize everything and create this superstructure for expanding the counseling within Nairobi. And they want to do it as, as an outreach ministry. They're doing um, kind of a halfway house for women. Uh, so they're going to be doing a, a dedicated uh, woman that are having to deal with domestic violence and that sort of, the sort of thing. And they're going to integrate all of this and have a, a dedicated counseling resource. So he asked me, when we finish with this class, would you be willing to roll over to start all over again? And they want to do an accelerated uh, thing where we'll be doing Module 3 the same time we do Module 1 and 2. So we get it all in in one year. So one of the things that I'd hoped is that it starts to actually go into counseling. Uh, the Nairobi class will be the first one to really embrace this and go after it hard. Next one. So uh, this is talks. I talked about competing resources. So uh, we've got the privilege of working with um, Crossway. And they had agreed to give us free English study Bibles. I had an interaction with them um, because the prices went up. And so I just reached out to Crossway and I said, hey, you know, we're trying to get some Bibles for the Kakama camp. This was a year ago. And they said, well, we'll do you one better. We'll give you free Bibles. So um, they're actually now the next step is they're going to get us English Bibles delivered into Nairobi because one of our restrictions is I've got cases of these at the house. I couldn't bring any of these to the house because I had other resources that we needed to get there. So this is a book that we use in our last module, Module 3, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. We have, we've finished in, I think, five classes uh, in the Kakama camp in the Mwenge Congo camp, uh, in Matete, Majango, uh, and in Nairobi. They've all been through a year of training, and they all needed these resources. So this is, uh, this is one suitcase of stuff that I brought here. Next one. 
This was another blessing that PNR Publishing did. They they published the book Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. They have these pamphlets uh, pretty much on any counseling topic, from uh, domestic violence to sexual temptation, anger, fear, worry, marriage, premarriage. Uh, this is, is this is the distillation of 30 years, 40 years of work in the biblical counseling ministry, and they've made it to where each of these booklets are like mini lessons for, one, the teachers, but also for the people you counsel. So they gave us uh, 12 complete sets for the refugee camps. So this is what else was in uh, my suitcase, and we distributed it to all the refugee camps that we went to. So this is the group before we split. Uh, so that's Rob and Mike, and uh, Kim is across from Mike. Uh, that's our driver, um, Frank, and then a couple of the other ones that are involved with pregnancy center uh, ministry that they have here in the United States, and they went over there. This is Ben. He's been uh, on many trips, and that's our other driver, uh, John. Uh, so this is the group before we all split up. Mike and that group went to southern Kenya. And then myself, Lavanga, and Moses uh, headed off to Uganda two separate ways. Um, for safety reasons, we decided to fly me in. And then they drove across the border uh, with all the gear. That's Kim, Mike's wife, with Lavanga's children. That's Precious. Uh, that's them speaking at Lavanga's church, um, uh, just doing introductions. And that's me doing the teaching at Lavanga's church with the interpreter from the church. Uh, this is the letter uh, that we, we needed to be able to get into the refugee camps. Lavanga actually had to do an in-person visit into Kampala and... Uh, if I say the word fees, you understand. Uh, there's, it's just the way of life in Africa. There's extra, you have to grease the wheels to be able to get things done. So unfortunately, we had to do that to even get approvals to go inside the camps. So uh, before we went to Uganda, uh, we did a two-day conference in Moses' hometown of Matete. Uh, so I taught the parenting module, which is the end of module two. So this, this finishes about a year and a half training for the pastors in Matete. So this is the group there. And the next one. So this is the, the books that we had for them to go into the last module three, plus the little pamphlets uh, that we were able to bring over as well. So this is the group of 15, uh, 20 faithful guys that have participated in the work and uh, is part of the group in um, Matete. And the next one, this is our driver. Uh, I like this car because it's like John Mark's car. It's essentially a Toyota Corolla. Uh, Drivers are, they're very good over there. Um, so that's our driver uh, in Matete. Yeah, you like it, right? So uh, now we're into Uganda. Uh, I'll have a couple pictures showing us how we get there. Mbarara is actually the second largest city in Uganda. Uh, so we did some trainings for pastors there, but it's technically not a refugee camp. But that was our first conference in Uganda. Go ahead. So that's flying in to, that's Kampala. So it's a pretty big city. The other thing that I appreciated uh, in Uganda, but the same thing is true in Kenya, is it's got a very Christian feel. It's like you're stepping back in the 50s. 
Everybody wants to work hard. This entitlement stuff that we're dealing with now, uh, the homosexuality, transgenderism that we're dealing with here, they, it's not accepted there. Um, and so you'll see these banners like this you know, on cars. And it's just like, it's refreshing. I actually enjoy going there because the culture uh, is much more amenable to the gospel and appreciates the gospel instead of what's going on here. Uh, this was uh, my tea. It's my, it looks pretty uh, unattractive. But it's, uh, it's lemongrass and ginger. And so you can see, I mean, it's lemongrass. It's not like chopped up little things that we have here. Uh, it's like huge things that are in this thing. And those are like big old, you know, round things of ginger. Anyway, I fell in love with it. And I ordered some on Amazon today. Uh, it's my new favorite tea, along with honey, which is kind of nice for the throat. So that's, yeah. So this is our first group in Mbarara. Uh, some of the pastors that are part of this group are part of what's going out. We all already had one pastor go to the Chiaka camp and to start to do the training there. Uh, and I had a chance to talk with the pastors at Chiaka, you know, how to go. And they said, yeah, we love it. Please send them back. Uh, so this is kind of a, a base camp for us on some resources. So like when we ship over some Bibles or have them buy Bibles there, because in Congo, uh, they, uh, they speak French. It's a French colony. So they have a version of Swahili that's different from the Kenyan Swahili. So when we buy Bibles, we can't buy Kenyan Swahili Bibles. We have to buy local Congolese Swahili Bibles. So that's one of the logistics issues that we're dealing with. But this will be the camp, the, our base camp here for getting in resources there, and then he will take it out. Um, and he literally takes a bus to the camp. I mean, so for $50, we are able to support a couple of days of teaching uh, because of how lean and mean the organization is. So this is the group in Mbarara. This is a group that's already participated in the training online for the last six months. So uh, they're the ones that we're giving the, the book to and getting them prepared for Module 3. And that's, again, one of the students there, so he's got a copy of the book. So that was uh, the, the folks that gave Karen and I the gift of the shirt and the dress. Uh, one of my students also uh, painted this off the profile picture that I have for our WhatsApp group. And so he did that painting of us. Yeah. So now we're into our first refugee camp of Chiaka. They pronounce it Chiaka. I said Chiaka until I was corrected. So this is the entrance to the camp. Uh, it's a UN camp. Um, Uganda has a little bit looser rules than Kenya. Kenya, uh, you're not allowed out of the camp. You're not allowed to go work anywhere in Kenya. They don't want you taking a job from a Kenyan. So you are literally trapped inside that camp. Uh, Uganda, there's somewhat more flexibility, but they give less money to them. So their food stipend they get from the UN is $3 per month per adult. So if you have a family of four kids and you, you've got $6 to feed your family for the whole month. So now you see what a big deal it is when we can provide a meal for the pastors uh, because they run out of you know, money uh, before they run out of month. 
So that's one of the Bibles we were able to give. Uh, this Bible, we kind of consolidated a lot of things. We had a donor that provided uh, the syllabuses, the curriculum for a lot of the camps. And then we had another donor that provided uh, money for Bibles. So this is the local Congolese Swahili. Because in Uganda, they're primarily Congolese. I'll show you later in the northern part of Uganda. It's on the border of South Sudan. And that's where you'll get the Sudanese. So anyway, this is... And we had to kind of do a behind-the-scenes thing here because we've got 80, 90 people in there. We've only got like 15 Bibles per camp. So what we do is we deal with the pastor there and said, okay, we need you to get these to the... One, the pastors, because a lot of the pastors don't have them. Or they, they've got pages torn out of their Bible, whatever it looks like. So the Bibles are in high demand, and it's actually going to be a big component of what we want to do going forward is making sure all the pastors, especially the ones in our training, uh, have a copy of the scriptures to be able to counsel from. So this is a big deal for them to get a new Bible. So this is Moses. He's the pastor of the host church. Uh, I'll read a letter uh, towards the end uh, about his thankfulness for us coming. So this is the conference in there. Um, You can see uh, Lavanga put up like a little bed sheet for the PowerPoint presentation. You can keep going. So this is the three amigos or three musketeers or whatever. So that's Moses on the left, Lavanga on the right. This is us leaving our rooms for the first day in Chiaka. That's our weather. (laughs) So rain. Yeah, next. So that's our transportation. Uh, When I told Mike what our transportation in Uganda was, he kind of raised an eyebrow. Uh, So he said, you're basically going to be on muddy dirt roads in uh, what's essentially a Corolla station wagon. And uh, the answer was yes. So that's uh, another view of uh, inside the Chiaka conference we did. Moses was one of the pastors there. So uh, some of you have participated in this. Karen worked with uh, families here at Joshua's school, and they each wrote handwritten cards for the children in the camp. So I had like a good chunk in my suitcase filled with these cards. So this is the kids after they got the cards. So now we're on to Nakavali. Uh, So now we're in the same hotel room, which, by the way, has loud music playing till midnight. So Levang was going, I just wanted to unplug the plug. I mean, so, so this was our first, you know, test case. So I, you know, we talked about, okay, this is what we're doing different next trip. So we're going to find a hotel that doesn't play loud music, you know, until midnight. So that's part of like, you know, I, I'm a little bit in a brain fog the whole two weeks because I'm a little bit sleep deprived. So now we're into Nakavali. This is probably one of the larger camps in Uganda. Uh, it's in the southern part. Um, has well over 100,000, maybe a couple hundred thousand refugees. Uh, this was, I believe, the daughter of Moses. Uh, so there, we normally, I'll, I'll do my lesson, and then it's interpreted into Kenyan Swahili, and that didn't work. So, um, and we tried all these different combinations of, you know, maybe speak in Swahili and do all this. So anyway, uh, she was a godsend because she could take my English and put it in the local dialect. So we had to skip the whole Swahili thing and go straight to the local dialect. So she was my interpreter for the time in Nakavali. 
uh, and she was interpreting for Moses in that. So what we did is I did the bookend sessions. I kept myself to two sessions a day, and then Moses would teach the middle session. Um, so this is the, the church in Nakavali, the host church. So this is they're having their meal. This is the group that we did for the training. And keep going. Another shot of her. Her name is Kevin. Uh, kind of the French influence, so it's Kevin, um, that come from Congo. Uh, and then just notice the, uh, what they're wearing. I'm like the worst dressed guy there. So this was, this was the eye-opening experience for me. The refugee camp does not equal a lifetime in poverty. These are middle-class people that left their wealth behind and so you can see, you know, they're, they're used to dressing well. So they have got their one good suit of clothes, and that's what they wear. So consequently, I'm the worst dressed guy in the refugee camp. And you can see how diligent they are. I mean, they, they love the teachings. Um, they wanted more. Again, the suits. and So there's a, one of the women that had participated. One of the things that came up in the goals um, that I kind of did last minute is I really encourage in the conferences because women pastors are very prevalent in Africa as unfortunately it's even starting to happen here. Uh, so I take them through the scriptures on what uh, the scriptures have to say about that. But there's another extreme which is uh, the women are, are not involved at all in ministry or in um, uh, raising up younger women in the Lord. So I would talk about Titus 2. The model is mature women in the Lord to lead the younger women in the Lord. And that's of great benefit for the church, which is primarily female in Africa. So um, one of the last minute things that we really started to emphasize is uh, the women's uh, counseling ministry. And Lavanga is going to teach a class specifically for women that are uh, interested in becoming counselors. So a lot of pastors' wives uh, and others are going to now have a Swahili class for the women to train them in women's counseling. So more snapshots of the students. So this is our group from Nakavali. So that's the group shot. So that's the cards again. So they loved it. The kids were ecstatic about it. So this is the third camp that I had mentioned. This is where God had directed our steps. So after we canceled uh, Kampala, this is where he took us uh, to finish our work. So this is the group. Uh, it's a host church. It's a Calvary chapel uh, that's right on the outskirts of the camp. And that's our group. So that's the group that came. Again, they had to go through logistics issues getting out, outside the camp. It took them sometimes a couple hours to clear uh, getting outside the camp. So uh, we had to kind of work with all that. And that's the group that's already participating in the weekly training that we do. So, like in each camp, there's already a core group that are participating in the training and are continuing on. And then uh, Lavanga prepared a slide for the new students that are coming out of each of the camps, and you'll see that in a little bit. So that's the Calvary Chapel sign. Uh, so that's Ezekiel. He's one of the pastors that's out of Mbarara uh, that's also uh, got a heart for all of this. Again, pastors studying during the 
sessions. You can go. Let's see if we have any luck with the videos. Okay. So I did some snapshots of going into the camps so you can see what the camps look like. Uh, it's pretty interesting. I, I come from a background of doing uh, communications towers. And so each of the camps will have like a 100-foot cell phone tower. And so you'll see a lot of them do have cell phones. It's a primary way of uh, being able to communicate. <laughs> Welcome. So this should be like a drive-by, so you kind of get a feel for what the camp is like. So uh, some camps are more tense in Kenya, but this one, uh, they're able to build buildings. It's kind of a marketplace, uh, but you'll see some of the structures, but they are structures. And you'll see sometimes there's like a little bit of maize corn that they're growing either like in front of the, their homes or on the side. They're doing everything they can to create their own food. And then they take it to market to sell, so they got money to buy other food. It just gives you an insight into what it's like traveling with all our gear. So we are now at the church in Chiaka. This is Chiaka. That's the building we're in. This is the home of the pastor, Moses. And you can see the rain. Just getting up this driveway there, we're sliding back and forth in the mud. We could barely get up that small gradient of the driveway. There's Pastor Moses. <laughs> this is them saying goodbye when we leave Bye, Mzungu. So, Mizuku is white guy. So, as I'm, so keep in mind, from the time I leave the airport to the time I get back, I'm the only white guy seeing the country. And so, I'm a novelty. So, the, the windows roll down, and you'll hear kids like a quarter mile away shout, Mizuku! So, it, it's pretty cool for them. So, this is just the signs at the entrance to the refugee market. Use our vehicle for traveling in Uganda. Aggressive mud tires. That's a joke. There's our driver wagon. Yes. <laughs> so this is our vehicle driving all around Uganda. Coming up on some baboons, you can see we have quick right, yeah, Baboons in the road. So these are baboons that are just on, in the wild in uh, Uganda. So you got to make sure you have the windows up because they'll come in. 
rip everything apart. And they got some nasty fangs. Taste of the wildlife. Okay, cool. So you can go into uh, kind of our summary and uh, we'll go into what potentially lies ahead. So the goals, as I mentioned, the first one is the hardest one. So I'm kind of planting seeds. Uh, I'm encouraging them to start in the counseling. You know, I'll help you. You can WhatsApp me. I'll kind of help you prepare for next sessions. So I'm encouraging all the leaders to do that. Our, our goal is Colossians 128. Uh, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. The, the common pastoral model uh, in East Africa, probably Africa in general, uh, is they preach the gospel on Sundays. And that's it. So there's no expository teaching. You know, what Tim does here, they don't have that there. And as you are hearing, many of them don't, don't even have Bibles. The second thing they do to deal with growth is they have what's called deliverance ministry. So every week they cast out the demon of whatever issue you're having. So if it's a demon of lust or... Uh, demon of whatever else and then of course what ends up happening is what ends up happening the next week is you got to do the same thing all over again because they're still having to deal with the sanctification issue of becoming more holy so what we're doing with this model of teaching them what the scriptures say about all these different things including marriage um, is transformative to their ministry and then having a Bible to be able to go along with it. So our, our goal really is to start maturing the church instead of it just being a presentation of the gospel, and that's the only thing that the church will hear. So again, this will be a long burn item, um, but I'm encouraging Moses, Lavanga, and the others, you know, I don't know how long the Lord has me here, but eventually you've got to be able to help the pastors to do the counseling, to do the work of discipleship. And the second one is uh, which was the primary focus of this trip was to establish the teaching of this of the counseling and discipleship in Uganda so this trip specifically we did Nakavali, uh, Chiaka and Ramwanja. There are six camps in the south and so before we start our next class that Ruben will do in Swahili our goal is to we'll finish the outreach so we have all six of the camps that will participate 
in this next weekly class. And then that'll be our group that after a year will now have the pastors uh, be able to go into the camps themselves and to do the training inside those six camps. Then the goal is um, there's 19 camps in total. So there's six in the south. I'll show you a map in a little bit to help you get your bearings. And there's 13 in the north on the border with South Sudan. So my hope is, we'll see if it's of the Lord, is that once we solidify the work in the south and these six camps in the south, is this will be our core team that we go to the north with and go to the 13 camps in northern Uganda. And then we'll have the chance to basically go to every refugee camp within Uganda. And the third one, as I mentioned, it kind of developed uh, as I emphasized, you know, I talked about what the Bible says about uh, women pastors, but also the fact that many women are sidelined and the mature women should be encouraged to train up the younger women. So that's something that we uh, continue to emphasize, and then Ruben will be doing a, a Swahili class for women counselors. So this is what uh, Lavanga put together for us. So these are the camps that were visited, and then you'll see shortly... Um, so this is the needs that were met in doing this, the biblical counseling training, distributing uh, training manuals, Bibles. Uh, Tim's catechism, I don't know if you guys remember it, the little spiral bound thing, it was very popular there. So Lavanga printed up some copies. We distributed a few copies in each of the camps. Our hope is that we can distribute more and more. So again, I said we tried to get as many resources as we could into this trip. So they did that. And of course, you saw the, the counseling booklets. Um, so this is the outcome of uh, what came out of the camp. So you can see the men and the women out of the, each of the camp, the ones that can speak English, the ones that the Swahili class will be for. So this is our new core group coming out of this trip. So we had our original small core group of, of ones that will participate in weekly training, and this is what comes out of it. So... Um, it's all set. There's one that's not on here yet. So Mbarara is the city. Uh, there's one other uh, refugee camp, uh, Kirandango, if I remember the name right. We're doing some outreach there to pull in whoever wants to participate in the training. And then we'll start the classes for all six of these camps. Go ahead. So we're going to be starting the Swahili classes. Um, and then, of course, we want to get more Bibles there. Um, we want to be able to get, you know, as much as we can there. We're, I mean, the advantage that we're doing with training the pastors to do it inside their own camps is also we're not going to have, as much as we'd like to be able to provide food, the food's pretty expensive for us. So, you know, we have a decision to make. Are we going to train pastors to be able to teach in 19 of the camps, or are we going to be doing food all the time? So I'm encouraging our team, you know, if we can keep it lean and mean, if when we come, yeah, we'll do the food, but if we can train pastors in the camp, then we don't have the expectation of doing the food. If the Lord provides for us to do food in the future, then obviously that's, that's a great need that we'd love to meet. So this is kind of a status check on uh, the ministry. 
Uh, so Matete and Majengo. Matete is Moses' hometown. Majengo is uh, Lavanga's hometown. They've now completed two-thirds of the training. Uh, the last part of the training is English only. So it will be somewhat limiting to uh, only the English speakers that can participate in that. And then Boniface just completed this last week the training in Kakama that he started a year ago. We just finished Nairobi. Um, Lavanga just went to Marigat this last week, so it's just a new city that we started the training in. The Dab uh, is the largest camp complex in the world. It's 250 to 300,000 refugees. It's in Kenya on the border of Somalia. It's predominantly Muslim. So it's on our wish list to be able to go there. So we now have pastors in those three camps that are participating in the weekly training. And our hope is at some point in this year, we'll send Moses and Lavanga to the Dadaab camp. Um, we'll have to do some safety considerations before we figure out whether it's okay for me to go there. But our goal is to at least get Lavanga and Moses there sometime this year and really start to establish it in that camp. Um, and then we're starting in Ruamja, uh, Orachinga, Kongwale, and Kirindango. Is we're, we're finalizing the outreach to get people to participate in the classes. But all the rest of them have leadership teams that are identified that want to be able to participate in it. Do we get through? The, oh, so and then so we started in a camp in Congo. They've also finished uh, the two modules of training. And that same teacher, John Amani, wants to teach all the pastors in Bukavu, which is one of the big cities in Congo. We also will be starting uh, north of there in Goma, where, where they have a lot of, unfortunately, uh, kind of the, uh, the, the base camp of where a lot of the factional fighting is with rebellion and the government. So uh, I don't know if it's an area that I'll be able to go to. And then uh, we had two Burundi pastors that participated in the training, and they said they'd like to be able to take this to the refugee camps in Burundi. So we've now translated the curriculum into Kenyan Swahili, into Congolese Swahili, um, and then we're going to be translating it. I think it's Kurundi is the language of Burundi. So we'll have the curriculum in three other languages besides English. So it's readily accessible to anywhere we want to go to in East Africa. Um, and then we've got someone uh, in Nigeria that's starting the training as well that potentially wants to go to the refugee camps in Cameroon. So you can see how excited I got that it's just starting to spread out like faster than I can even. So this is the six camps that we're looking at in the south. Uh, Nakabali is the one there that we were at. Kiaka is straight above it. And Ruamwanja is the one there. So those are the three that we visited. We're trying to bring Orochinga, Kwangwali, and Kirindango uh, students into the weekly training. So by the end of this year, they'll have gone through uh, a lot of the training and they'll start teaching inside those camps. And this is hopefully, I don't know if it's going to be next year, what that looks like, whether we go back to the other three camps in the south, uh, the work in Congo, they're asking us for to get over there. Uh, but that's the next stage in Uganda is the 13 camps that are on the South Sudanese border. That's our hope, is that we can get there as soon as possible. So I'll read this letter from... Moses, Pastor Moses in Chiaka.
Praise the Lord Jesus. We are so grateful for Brother Jay and the API team. You've been a great blessing to us in Kiaka Chiaka Refugee Camp. The teachings to the pastors was a great blessing, especially grace during hardships. That's the trials lesson I mentioned, and temptation. It is a message that resonated well with us. You gave us hope and increased our hunger for the truth of the Word of God. As you saw during the teachings, most of the students desire that you continue making it possible for this training. To most, this is the only formal training that we will ever get. May the Lord bless you because of the meals, books, and the Bibles. Our prayers is the Lord will make a provision for Bibles, especially to church leaders. Send greetings to brothers in USA and tell them we appreciate their friendship and for equipping us to serve. So all that summarizes my thanks. It's... Um, I'll give you a little behind the scenes. The, uh, the largest group of, that does what we do in biblical counseling, we're using their curriculum. And I, had, I sent them an email uh, a few months back and said, just so you guys know, we're not territorial about this work. If, you, if you're someone is called that, is, uh, that wants to participate in this work, you know, it's no picnic. You'll be in refugee camps. You're not in hotels. But please, you know, we'd love to be able to have more resources, more teachers do this. And they said, um, yeah, our travel budget's kind of spoken for. You know, thank you for the invitation. But it was, for me, just an affirmation that this work that's been birthed by this lampstand is for however long our work. It's the work that we are participating in. And thankfully, the Lord has just continued to open doors to expand this work over there. But this wouldn't be happening without all of you. So you have my heartfelt thanks.